0: On Friday evening, Northern Ireland were playing Finland in Helsinki, and it wasn't a great night for the Green and White Army. I'm 4-0 to Finland, but among the Green and White Army at that game was my brother and two of my nephews, who had traveled hundreds of miles to get from Northern Ireland. They flew to Riga, in Latvia, and then they flew to Helsinki to get to that game. And they were there in the stadium cheering on Northern Ireland, not that they had much to cheer about. And standing beside them was another of my brothers and his two sons, another of my two nephews, who had traveled just about five miles from their home to watch the game. And while they had their Northern Ireland tops on, they were a wee bit unsure as to who they should actually be supporting. I better explain, for those who don't know me, that my brother Steve moved to Finland. He met a Finnish girl, and he married her, and has been in Finland for, what, nearly 25 years, and has made his life there. And whenever the the Euro qualifiers came out and the fixtures were announced, all of us as brothers in our WhatsApp group, we thought, this is amazing. Northern Ireland playing Finland and Helsinki, what a golden opportunity. And flights were beginning to be booked. But why am I not there? Well, it's not that I've fallen out with my brothers. We had Kenny Hanna already booked here. Countryside connections, you've got to love your church. You know, you're not going to disappear off on a weekend like this. But I sometimes wonder what it must be like for my brother Steve, living in another country, speaking a very different and difficult language, having different customs from the ones that we have in this part of the world, being far from his original family and friends. But hey, he went there for love, and he's committed to his life there. And then I begin to think about what it must have been like for Ruth the girl, the young woman that we read about here in the book that bears her name? What must it have been like for her in chapter 1? She was about to leave her home. She was going to go to a different country. She was about to change her whole way of life. And why did she do that? Well, very simply, she did it for love. So, let's take a closer look at why Ruth was prepared to give up everything that she knew and treasured. Turn with me again in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. And this year, on the run-up to Christmas, we are looking at this incredible wee book of the Bible. And what I said last week has been borne out by the reaction of people to us reading and looking at this book together. There is a lot of love for this book of the Bible. And I reckon that's because there is a lot of love in this book of the Bible, right at the heart of this amazing story, is a love story between Ruth, one of the women that we read about here, and a man who we're yet to meet called Boaz. And we're going to get to that part of the story in the coming weeks. But it's also a book that shows us the amazing love that God has for His people. And it's a book that reminds us that love has to be present that love has to be at the center of every relationship that we have in our life. But last time we discovered that this book, as positive as it seems to be, actually begins with really bad news. It's a book that was set in a bad time, the time of the judges. We read about that back in the opening verse of the book, and we'll figure out in a second why that's such bad news. It's a book that was set during a time of famine. That's why this family had left Israel and gone to the neighboring country of Moab in order that they could find food. Things had got that serious for them. And it's a book that is all about loss. So that if you were to read back verses 3 and 5, what you discover about the, the older woman that we read of in this chapter, Naomi, is that in the course of this famine, she lost her husband. He died. And just when she thought that her sons could be a comfort and could be security, if you look down in verse 5, we're told that both Malon and Kilion, that's her sons, also died. She was left without her husband and her two sons. So, you begin to understand why she says what she said at the end of this chapter, When she returns home, if you look down at verses 20 and 21, she tells the people in her hometown, my name's no longer Naomi. Don't call me that name anymore. She says, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And when you understand that her original name, her given name, Naomi, means pleasant, and the name Mara that she took for herself means bitter, Well, it's a name change that says everything about her life and her circumstances. So, this is a good story that is set in a bad time, and it's a a story that has a lot of love. Let's quickly check out the love that we read about in this passage that we read together today. And the first love that we see is Ruth's love for her mother-in-law, Naomi, Now, we're going to avoid mother-in-law jokes today at all costs. It's in our culture, isn't it, that mothers-in-law are people that maybe there isn't a lot of love or affection for. But Ruth is a story of a love that would not let go. Remember the background. We discovered this last time. Naomi was an Israelite. She was one of God's people. She came from Bethlehem and she had arrived in Moab because of the famine. During the time that that family spent in this different part of the world, both of her sons married Moabite girls. And then all of them were left as widows. And so, what Naomi decides to do is to return to Judah, to return to her own people, her hometown, because she reckons that's going to be the place where she has a future, but she knows it's different for her daughters-in-law. They belong in their home place, and she wants to send them away to push them back to their own families. Look at what she says in verses 8 and 9. She says, "'Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, and may the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me.'" And we need to understand that's not Naomi pushing these women away because she reckons they're a burden or a problem. It's her pushing them away because she reckons they have a better future back home. And when they try and argue with her and say, no, we're going to stay put. We, our future's with you, she says in verses 11 and 12, you've got no future if you hang about with me you'll have no husband, you'll have nobody to look after you. But as you look down through the passage, eventually in verse 14, Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law reluctantly goes home, but Ruth has a love for Naomi that refuses to let go. Look at what happens in verse 14. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her and we've all seen that picture. We've all seen that scene at the school gates. You know, when a child clings on to his or her mother and won't let go. And that's, there's something kind of touching about that. Well, if the child's in lower sixth or something like that, you know, it's not such a good look. But when it's outside of primary school, we see that and we think, you know, isn't that amazing? That child sees its security, her security, his security in a mother's love. But when Naomi is clinging on to her mother-in-law, it's not because she thinks that her mother-in-law is her security and her future. It's out of love. It's out of great loyalty. It's out of faithfulness to this woman who has shown her such great love. And she expresses all of this so beautifully. Some of the the, the most beautiful words in Scripture in verses 16 and 17, she says to her mother-in-law, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And she continues on, where you die, I will die. There I will be buried." And those are words that show the level of her loyalty and her commitment to Naomi. And they are words that are lived out in her life in the coming story, as we'll see. And these really good actions of Ruth stand out so much in what was a really bad time. Remember that this is the day or the time when the judges ruled. And what does that mean? Well, it was a bad time in the history of God's people. You can read all about it in the bigger book that sits beside this book, the book of Judges. And there's a summary of what that time was like in that book. It says of that time, in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. People did what they thought was right and wrong. Is that not like our time? I mean, let's be honest. In our time, everybody makes it up as they go along. We decide what is right. If I want to do this, if it feels right for me, there's no laws. There's Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's how people think today. And yet, here's the truth of what that time was like. Also in the book of Judges, it says of that time that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord there was somebody watching on, as there still is today, who has decided what is good and what is not good. And the faithfulness and the love that Ruth shows stands out in a bad time. Now, today, if you're a follower of Jesus, think about that in a time of low commitment. Will you show commitment in all of your key relationships? In a time when our social media and culture wars and all of that, there is such a, a lack of grace, there is so much bitterness and harshness. Will you show kindness and grace to those around you? And in a time when people have lost a plot, when people are making it up as they go along, will you live by God's Word, and live out His good rules. There's such an opportunity for those who are followers of Jesus to stand out, to shine, to show the difference that Christ makes by the quality of our love. So, we read of Ruth's love for her mother-in-law Naomi, but there's something deeper going on here. We also read of Ruth's love for God, And think about where this younger woman Ruth is from. She is a Moabitess. That means she came from the land of Moab. And Moab were a people who had turned right away from God. They were the sworn enemies of God's people for generations. And instead of worshiping the one true God, they had chosen to worship the gods that they had made for themselves. They worshiped idols. And let's not imagine that Ruth floated above all of that. Ruth was brought up in the middle of all of that. Ruth was an idol worshiper. She didn't know the one true God. And yet, listen to what Ruth said to Naomi again in verses 16 and 17, and the bit that we missed out first time round. She not only says, your people will be my people, but this is the bit. She said, your God will be my God. And she speaks of him like this, "'May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me.'" And Bible experts who have studied this book talk about the conversion of Ruth, that these verses indicate something really deep and special that had happened in her life. It wasn't only that she had a love for Naomi. She had come to have a love for and a trust in God. Look at the way she talks about Him. May the Lord deal with me an awareness of Him involved in her life. And do not underestimate this part of the story, because this is an amazing thing. Ruth was a godless girl, literally. She did not have God as any part of her life. And now she had come to trust Him and to love Him and to live for Him. And the Bible talks about this conversion, this change, that it is needed in every one of us. And that it happens when we turn to Christ, Christ who said of us that you must be born again, that there has to be a new birth, there has to be a change that comes about. And we come to know God, and we come to know His love for us. We come to know His forgiveness for us when we trust in and follow His Son, Jesus. And I think there's such an encouragement in this message today for us, It's a message that reminds you that you are not beyond God's love. Maybe some people here today, it could be that this is for you an occasional visit to church, and as you hear God talked about, you have a sense, yeah, I know that things should be better between God and me, but there's no way God would want to have anything to do with someone like me. I'm bound to be beyond His love. You're not, because Ruth was not. And what an encouragement in the middle of a weekend for those who love Jesus here in this church that as we seek to make Jesus known to the community around us, the people who we are sharing this message with are not beyond God's reach because Ruth was not beyond God's reach. So, do you love God? And more importantly, do you know the love that God has for you, that love that is found in Christ alone. But there's a final thing very briefly. There's another love that we hear of in this passage, and that's God's love for His people. You see, if my sermon finished there today, it might get you home earlier for your dinner, but it would not be a complete job. If my sermon today is just saying to people, well, you know what? You should try and love other people as Ruth loved her mother-in-law. Or if it was just you should try harder to love God in the way that Ruth loved God, that would be nothing more than a motivational talk, and you can go onto YouTube and find plenty of those. And it might send you home deflated because you know in your heart as I know in my heart that we just do not love God and other people in that kind of way. But what we read here is gospel. It's good news. These are words of hope, and we need to know the source of that hope today. So, why did Naomi decide to return to her homeland? Why did she decide to head back to Bethlehem? Well, the answer comes there in verse 6, that when she heard in Moab That the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughters in law prepared to return home from there. And it's that phrase that I've got underlined on the screen. The Lord had come to the aid of his people. What hopeful words! They're words that remind us that God is a God who cares, that God is a God who helps. And later on in this book, we will get to see the bigger picture of how he comes to the aid of his people, how he comes to help his people, how he's working all of these events out to bring about his plan of rescue. Because this girl, Ruth, marries a man called Boaz, and the child that they have becomes an ancestor of King David the great King of Israel. But more than that, the line from them can be followed all the way to the One that Jesus sent, the One who was born in Bethlehem to rescue His people from their sins, the One who is the hope of this world, Jesus. And in our service today, during the baptism, in this passage that we were reading, in this sermon, That you have been hearing, you have heard lots of talk of God's people. Who are God's people? Well, let's be absolutely clear. God's people are not one race or one nation or one tribe, as it was at this time. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, God's people are made up of people from every nation, and every ethnic background, and every kind of background, people who trust in Jesus, people who experience the love of God by turning to Him, people who find a real and everlasting relationship through turning to Jesus as Savior. You know, when I think of my brother Steve and what he gave up what he left behind, well, he did it for love. And the truth is, he's had a good life there since. And today, as we've been thinking about this girl, Ruth, the girl from Moab, and what she gave up, what she was prepared to leave behind, she did it for love. And we'll get to see in the coming weeks just how much God blessed her as she did that. But today, as we have been thinking about the love that God has for His people, so we think about the Lord Jesus, and we think about what He gave up, what He left behind, and He did it for love. And it wasn't just leaving one country for another. The Lord Jesus gave up. He left behind the place and the position that He had in heaven in order to come into this dark world so that He could die for sinful people like you and me. As one of the songs that we sing here says, of Jesus, you led aside your majesty. You gave up everything for me. You suffered at the hands of those you had created. And He did it for love, love for His Father, so that on the night before His death, While he wanted to avoid that death at all costs, still he prayed, yet, Lord, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. And he did it out of love for you and me, so that the Bible says this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son, Jesus, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Well, if this is how much God loves you, will you love Him? And will you trust the one that He has sent to rescue you so that you can know His love forever? Amen.